Have you tried every diet and still feel like your health isn't up to par? Do you intuitively feel that you're not absorbing the supplements that you're spending so much money on? Are you experiencing pain anywhere around the backside of your body? Do you have low energy levels and feel like your health is lacking somehow but you don't know how? In today's episode on Root Awakening, a health podcast, we are talking with Dr. Perry Nicholson. Dr. Perry is the owner of Stop Chasing Pain and The Lymph Doc, and boy, I gained a whole new way of looking at health and suffering after recording this episode with him. Dr. Perry has a very unique view on health, which is that health often suffers not necessarily because of what's being put into the body, but because of the body's inability to process and remove what's already in the body. Basically, toxin removal is often the problem and completely overlooked. So why is that? How do we start better removing toxins from our bodies? What can we do to support toxin removal? Dr. Perry gets into all of these answers in this episode. He tells us about the lymphatic system and how it governs our waste removal. He tells us what kind of behaviors contribute to a malfunctioning filtration system in the body. He tells us how to modify our behavior to help the body filter itself better. He tells us what kind of pace we should go at as we are making these lifestyle changes. And he tells us why many people do not find healing through diet and supplements and so much more. Dr. Perry not only offers up so much information in this episode, but he communicates it in a way that's simple and clear and very easy to understand. And folks, he has beautiful storytelling skills. This stuff is so interesting. He gives amazing examples, wonderful analogies. I'm super fired up about it. Cannot wait for you all to hear about Dr. Perry's innovative findings. So let's get into it. This is Root Awakening, a health podcast. My name is Emily Kosick. I am the founder and CEO of Root Awakening. Root Awakening is a holistic guidance community here to provide you with support on every level of self-development, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional. We have a team of healers, mentors, and coaches who guide you through your self-development journey and help you to receive feedback on every level of health. You can follow us on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening, root is spelled R-O-O-T, message us, say hello, ask any questions that you have. I love answering questions. I love getting feedback. We love it. Send it all to us. And right now at Root Awakening, we are currently developing a program where you'll be able to work with multiple coaches and even a licensed therapist throughout one program to give you support on each of these mental, physical, spiritual, emotional levels. It's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to roll this program out. It's going to be very organized, very all-encompassing, very thorough, and just very harmonious. I cannot wait for you to experience this shit. It's going to be so good. So stay tuned for more details on this program that we will be rolling out within the next few months. And in the meantime, you can receive support spiritually from our quantum healer, Ludmilla, who is offering a quantum healing package for the Root Awakening community. So what is quantum healing? Quantum healing is basically identifying the frequency you're carrying 
and determining how you can raise that frequency and cleanse the negative energy that you're holding or that is surrounding you. Okay, so what is a quantum healing package? The quantum healing package includes a quantum table reading that Ludmilla will operate. It includes a written sheet of your results from the table reading, and it includes a 30-minute Zoom session with Ludmilla so you can consult with her about your results and receive guidance on how to continue to cleanse negative energy from your life. You can book a quantum healing package with Ludmilla through our link in bio on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening. Okay, let's get into this episode. Folks, Dr. Perry Nicholson is here with me today. Dr. Perry is the owner of Stop Chasing Pain and The Lymph Doc. So we are going to talk about the very physical but still very holistic side of health. One of the posts on Stop Chasing Pain's Instagram mentions that no system in the body ever works alone, and there is no such thing as an isolated injury, and there is no such thing as isolated healing. I think that's an amazing clue into what wheelhouse Dr. Perry and I will be getting into today. So Dr. Perry Nicholson, owner of Stop Chasing Pain and the Lymph Doc, it's an honor to have you here. Welcome to Root Awakening Health Podcast. Well, thank you so very much. I'm honored to be here. I'm really ex excited to talk about stuff that uh, I love that's made a big difference in, in my life. And I'm really grateful that you started off with mentioning about the systems working together. That's honestly my life's mission is to try to teach people not so much about the body systems. And for the people that are wondering what they are, they're the, the systems you hear about, like your cardiovascular system, your nervous system, your immune system, right? And then, but, but what happens is that people focus so much on one system as a cause of something. And we have so many system specialists that you forget all of them work together. They never work alone. And you, you can't find the answer to an underlying chronic pain issue by going after a single system. I'm going to tell you that right now, and I'll stand by that until I'm dead. You got zero chance of finding the answer by focusing on one. You have to look at all of them. So I actually like to think more as a generalist first, and then zero in on anything, because you have to be careful. You tend to find what you look for, right? And you can manifest things all the time mm -hmm. in your life, but you can do that with systems too. And I know when I went into healthcare, I started to focus in on chiropractic, which is what my, that's my diploma hanging on my wall. But I don't really tell people that that's what I do because automatically you go to your mental file folder of what that means for you. And whether you had a good experience or a bad experience or often somebody else's experience that they told you about and then you've never been to one. And I tell people there's probably zero percent chance that you're going to know, have any idea about what I do in my office because <laughs> I don't just do the chiropractic part. That's a small little piece of that. But they were uh, concentrated mostly on the nervous system, which is great. But that was only one piece of the puzzle. And it was only until later in life where I guess it's the universe or whatever you believe in thought it fitting to hit me with a pretty significant illness that I couldn't figure out. And going after things just in my current mindset of how I was taking care of people wasn't working. 
So I was forced to look at a lot of other different things. You know, pain and suffering has a way of doing that, opening your mind up to different possibilities because you very often have no choice but to, right? I know, I know that was a long answer, but that, that's like my favorite phrase in the beginning. And people kind of get like an aha moment that we innately, inherently know it, but we always seem to freaking forget it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Absolutely. And I think you're opening us up into this amazing topic to kick off the episode with, which is going through difficult experiences gets us to where we want to be because we're kind of forced to get ourselves to where we want to be because we don't want the alternative, which is a lot of pain or suffering. And would you say that's perhaps the reason why the universe throws challenging situations at us? I think so. Yeah. I Listen, it, you very rarely will change when you're comfortable because why would you you're, you're comfortable, but things always change all the time. And it's usually not going to last. And I I read an interesting quote. I can't remember. It was a a way of looking at a situation where we we think we want to have this bliss where we have happiness and joy all the time and sitting on the beach. But if you've ever done that for a period of time, it gets old quick, fast and in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And then you, you become bored, honestly, you, you, because you have like too much happiness and people say that's nuts. No, it's not. Because if you get there, humans will find some way to sabotage it so they can have a little bit of excitement in their life. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just the ebb and flow of uh, life with that. But yeah, so it, it's pretty amazing where if you hit a reframe, that's what I did. Like, okay, well, pain to me is a definition that I came across from uh, a therapist named Anat Banyal. It just really stuck with me. He said, the pain is a request for change. And I thought about that for a moment. Mm. Yeah, I mean, most people will only change something when there's pain associated with it. And if you ignore something long enough, yeah, maybe it'll go away. And it often does, but it has a way of coming back in a different manner or different place or with more intensity. So you're going to have to change either way. Right. And it's a request to change. And then people say, change what? And my, my answer is yes. I don't know. I just know you need to do something different than what you're, you're doing now. If you're on a, you need to get off of a, so two things that I read after that, that really stuck with me is, is one. Um, this guy said that, listen, you're going to suffer no matter what choice you make, (laughs) like if you have pain and you don't do anything, you're going to suffer. If you have pain and you go down a new path that you've never been down before and you're scared, you're going to suffer. So you can't escape the suffering. It's not possible. First of all, if you're alive on the earth, you're going to suffer. That's that life is about that. Right. And it's coming through the other side and hopefully you don't suffer as much. So that's the ticket. Don't suffer as much. So how can you not suffer as much? Maybe if you take back control and you make choices and decisions so you have some power over your life, that's less suffering when you can control something about it. And that's huge because the biggest stressor for the human nervous system is uncertainty, lack of control, and not knowing. That will take you out faster than anything. So your nervous system is hardwired to make itself as certain as possible. So one of the ways you can do that is to make a choice. Now, is it the right choice or the wrong choice? I don't know, because maybe the choice that you think is wrong is actually supposed to be the right one for you. You just don't know it yet. 
because it involves pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. And I don't really believe there's a right or a wrong choice. There's just useful choices. So you're going to get information either way of, okay, let me do a little bit more of that, or let me do a little bit less of this. And hopefully you'll be able to learn to change as you go along. But everybody wants to hit the target and hit the goal right away when they make a move, right? Like I want to instantaneously have pain go away. I want to, I want to lose 10 pounds in a couple of days. I just want to swipe my finger and like my phone and I get what I want. But it doesn't work like that. And that that's not supposed to be part of the journey. It's the journey, not not the destination. That's mm -hmm. the key. And, and health is a journey, not a destination. Right. Yeah. So this guy said framed it to me once. He said, if you're trying to go from point A, which is where you are right now, and you know you, you want to go to point B, whatever that is for you, <clears throat> the goal is not to get to point B right out of the gate and you probably won't the goal at this point is to just not do a i want you to think about that for a moment it means just do something different than you are right now and don't beat yourself up if it was the the right move or the wrong move it was just a move so you put some inertia out into the world and at least you are not where you are and here's the beautiful thing when you take your step off A, you might realize, I don't want B anymore. I want Z. Maybe you want something completely different that you never knew before until you stepped off where you are. And so I equate that with pain is that people are very often scared to move because they have pain and it's a fearful thought. So they don't do anything just to mobilize themselves. And they have that fear. And I just want them to move off of where they are. It can be a small, tiny little, what we call a tiny little action step. So I say, I want you to telos yourself. That's tiny little action step. Mm -hmm. Just a small little one that you can do and step back off of it and then step back in again, right? This is kind of like going into the water step by step as opposed to jumping off the high dive and you go all in at one time. But humans tend to think that small but doesn't make big changes. I'm like, well, I want you to think about it logically that little done every day is no longer little. Little done every day are called your habits and your behaviors that you don't pay attention to anymore, which AKA equals this thing called your life. So <laughs> I just need you to make a small micro change in something and that can build up the energy and inertia to change something else. So let me give you an example. Say my left shoulder really, really hurts and you don't want to move your left shoulder. Well, then you move everything else around your shoulder, right? Mm -hmm. you, you move your left fingers and your wrist a lot. You move your head a lot. You move the opposite shoulder a lot. You move the whole rest of your body. And then that's going to feed back into your shoulder and help your shoulder. But you'll also realize, you know what? I got 99.9% .9 of the, my body that feels really freaking good that you just forget about because you're focused on what? The shoulder. So here's what I think. Pain, pain is an awareness signal. Pain, most time people are only aware of their body is when something hurts on it. Mm -hmm. So it's actually a really start, smart strategy by your brain to make you pay attention to something. But it doesn't mean that the problem is where the pain is. Pain only tells you that there is a problem. It doesn't tell you what it is or where it is or why you got it. If that was the case, everybody would be out of pain really fast. So what I think is, is telling you to pay attention to an area but maybe that's not the area that you really need to pay attention to. Maybe you need to pay attention to all the rest of the body around that area. That's what stop chasing pain means. 
stop chasing pain means treat pain, but you better not stay in that one place of pain because you got like, there's zero probability that the side of your pain is actually where your problem is in my world. Does that make sense? I mean, I know I rambled on there, but you kickstart me on this stuff that I love and you'll come back three hours later. I'm still going to be going. I love it. I absolutely love it. And you've had your own experience with this jumping off point A. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. Well, like I was alluding to before, a lot of times you don't go down pathways voluntarily, right? Because you're comfortable or <clears throat> you think you know everything when, when you're in it. That, that happens a lot. And um, I ended up getting sick slowly over time now that I look back on it over decades that I just kept dismissing as I'm getting older, which a lot of people get that said to them through even healthcare professionals, which is, uh, which is total BS. Mm -hmm. And um, eventually I just hit rock bottom. I was diagnosed with what they call poly autoimmunity, which means more than one autoimmune disease. And they really didn't even have a name for the autoimmune disease. And in all honesty, I really don't care what they would have called it. It just stems from underlying inflammation in the body. And then you'll manifest it however your body wants to. So the same inflammation could cause somebody to have fibromyalgia in one person. Another person will have like SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or Crohn's or whatever. And um, I just started to get very tired, fatigued, lethargic. My energy levels were down. I had to take naps all the time. I started to get a lot of brain fog and pain in many different places and a lot of infections in my body because my immune system was trying to protect me and it was fighting pretty hard when it was doing it. And then stuff would keep getting worse. And then I tried the traditional medical approach, which is medications for infections, which don't get me wrong, sometimes you need, but you have to get to the underlying reason of why you have the infection. And uh, I would feel better for a little while, but then it would come back. And then I'd have to take more. And then I needed to get progressively more invasive and do some surgeries from different things that I was having. And I was getting worse. And I, I damn near died. Honestly, I got really, really close to death from my whole, all my systems being very close to shutting down. And mentally, I actually wanted to die. I was tired of suffering and tired of being in pain. And I was following along because I, what people said, because I was lost and I was afraid and I'm in the healthcare industry and I still felt lost. So I know how everyday people feel when you get caught into this quicksand healthcare system that you're in. And I realized that I had to make a decision when I hit rock bottom because I had to leave my practice. I couldn't see patients anymore. I couldn't travel and teach anymore because I couldn't really think I couldn't put words together anymore and became socially withdrawn. And I said, I've got to rescue myself here, which means that you know, medicine was killing me, but not on purpose. It's just their thought process. Right. And then they do what they got to do. And then if it doesn't work, you're well, you're kind of on your own. Mm -hmm. like, that's not acceptable to me. I like, so I had to have a different reframe and a relationship with my body. And I, I was very resentful of my body. And I started to hate my body of why, why are you doing this to me? Why are you punishing me? And I would resent the symptoms. And I said, I have to switch this around that 
it's not easy to do either. You almost have to hit a point of rock bottom before you're able to climb your way back up. And I said, what are you trying to tell me here? There's a lesson in this that I have to look at things differently because well, the way I'm looking at it now obviously isn't the answer because it's not working. There's an answer, but I'm not seeing it yet. One, because I haven't been through enough suffering yet. But two, I started to reframe it that, okay, the universe is sending me something because it knows I'm supposed to discover an answer and it knows I'm strong enough to be on this path that it put me on. And if you could just flip that switch, it's a very different reframe. And then I said, okay, I, I can't look at the musculoskeletal approach, the system that I was looking at before. I had to go more after other systems that I really wasn't paying attention to. One was the emotional system of the body. So when I started to hit different reframes of how I thought about things, I began to feel a little bit better. But then I started to look more at my immune system and what's involved with, I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, if my cells are trying to get better and they're not able to, why are they not able to? And I came across the work of a guy who said, chronic disease only occurs when you lose the ability to make new cells that work. And I'm going to repeat that twice because he always does. <laughs> chronic disease only occurs when you lose the ability to make new cells that work. Because if you could make new cells that work, you wouldn't stay sick. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then because you're supposed to get sick, but you're not supposed right. to stay sick. Right. And which begs the next logical question. Well, what do you need to make new cells that work? <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. And I mean, there's so many things you, you, you can go crazy with it. Right. Because that's the miracle of life. But I, I wanted to break it down simple first. I went back and started to study physiology books, chemistry books, systems books, looking at things like that. And I realized, okay, well, cells need nutrients, right? Lots of them, but some fundamentals that they need are minerals, right? If you're lacking some minerals, you're never going to get well. And most humans are lacking minerals because stress depletes minerals and also inflammation and pain depletes minerals. Plus the crap food that we eat on the earth right now uh, depletes it as well. You need oxygen is a big one. And most people don't have good oxygen in their system because they have too much inflammation in their system. You need, you need glucose, which is a big one. And most people have glucose dysregulation because they eat crap food all the time. So they have metabolic issues, metabolic syndromes, right? But th those are like three, a couple of big ones right there. And that's what I call the supply side. Now let's assume that you're even getting those. Most humans are not even getting those in the system, right? Mm -hmm. They are already behind. But let's say you are putting those into your system. Then your body actually has to break those down through digestion, right? And then you need to be able to absorb those nutrients. And then your cells need to be able to metabolize. So once they go in, if they can get in, then the cells need to metabolize it. That means use it. Then when they use it, they create energy. 
And that energy creates waste. It's called metabolic waste, cellular waste. Mm -hmm. Or in your brain, it's neuron waste. <clears throat> so you're always making waste all the time. And then when you make waste, you need to get rid of that stuff, right? That's why most of your body systems and organs are designed to eliminate waste. That's their primary job. And you have a lot of them for backup, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Because if something goes wrong with one, another one says, don't worry, I'll come in and carry the load for you. One being your skin. So if you have a lot of skin issues, I know you have a problem eliminating waste somewhere because your skin's doing too much of it. Mm. And I said, okay, so that's the elimination side. So you have a supply side and an elimination side. And this is what I thought to myself. You know what? I've been doing a lot on the supply side. I've been trying to change my diet. I've been taking supplements and putting all good stuff in, mm -hmm. which is better than bad stuff. But then I said, you know what? Even if the good stuff goes in, that also turns into waste, just like bad stuff turns into waste. What if I'm struggling in my ability to get rid of waste? That makes logical sense. Stuff goes in, but it can't get out. Then I started to look at all the systems of the body that eliminate waste. And a lot of them, you know, you pee, you poop, you sweat, you breathe. But there was a system that I came across that I really never paid any attention to. And it was the lymphatic system. Because you only hear about lymphatics when you either have cancer, which oddly enough, I did 20 years ago. I just didn't see the signs that the lymph was a problem two decades ago. And it came back 15 years later to take me out a different way because I never fixed the underlying true reason why I got cancer in the first place. And then, uh, or you have a body part that becomes really abnormally swollen called lymphedema. But if you don't have those two criteria, most people don't even think about lymph. And uh, I started to begin to work on that system and taking care of the elimination side. And it flipped a switch. Within a couple of days, I, even, I, I had to think, is this a placebo effect? And even and honestly, to this day, I don't even care if it was because it made a difference in how I feel. But mm -hmm. I know it's not because I understand physiology and neurology. But I said, oh, my God, I think I feel like 20, 30 percent better from what I did. And then that led me down the pathway that I'm on now is where I knew that I needed to learn everything I possibly could about how all these systems work together and you can't isolate. I just went down a rabbit hole of lymphatics like you wouldn't believe. And I studied it from all the way back, you know, to a hundred years or more. And the way that they looked at the system, Eastern medicine, Western medicine, Ayurvedic medicine. And interestingly enough, in Ayurvedic medicine, the lymphatic system is the first system they go after. Mm. <clears throat> and it's also very prevalent in uh, osteopathic medicine, more so the classical osteopathic, the current osteopathic. I mean, they've drank the Kool-Aid of the medical doctors. So they're pretty much the same now. They've lost their way, in my opinion. And uh, then I started to, to say, you know what, let me see how all these different people look at it. But then here's the beautiful thing about a journey. I started to take what I learned with that and mix it in with everything I learned over the previous 20 years about the nervous system 
and pain science and brain science and emotion-based work and all that prior suffering and experience, I, it found a different outlet, a way to mix it with the lymphatics. And there's no way I would have discovered lymphatics if I didn't almost die is mm -hmm. the takeaway here. Mm -hmm. like I, I had to rescue myself and step back and look at things differently about why the body was choosing this way to tell me. And I've spoken to a lot of people over the years that have been really, really sick and come back, you know, from all different diseases, even from you know, a lot of cancer people that <clears throat> come back from cancer and it's involved a lot of suffering with them. I haven't met one yet that told me that they regretted that it happened to them. They're actually thankful because it, it hit a switch in them to appreciate life differently, but also step back and be more aware of what's happening around you. And it taught them things that they needed to see, I guess you might say. And then that's when I knew that the, the wounds that I had, that was supposed to become my work now to try to teach other people about what I went through. And here's the thing. <clears throat> I mean, I knew that people were suffering, but oh my goodness, I never knew how much people were suffering out there until I was part of that. Yeah. And then I look around and I'm like, there's so many people that are sick and tired and miserable and they're looking for answers and they're lost and they're, they, they're like me. And I said, when I found this stuff, it changed my life. And I can only imagine if I expose them to it, that hopefully they would say the same thing. And that's what happened when I began to teach the lymphatic work and put this stuff out there. People were like, oh, my God, I, just, I never had any idea. How come nobody ever told me this before? I can't believe how much better I feel with how simple it was to do. And that's when it dawned on me that I had to go back to basics and simple things and fundamentals that most people were overlooking because uh, they thought it had to be more complicated than it is. And sometimes it's overlooked because it seems so obvious that you figure everybody else has already checked the box on it. I'm like, nope. <laughs> so now when I see people, I always check how these systems work together. But basically to wrap up my story is that I, I had to hit a, a new rock bottom for me to claw my way up. And that brought me to where I am now and actually gave a whole new meaning to the term for me, what stop chasing pain means. Yeah, exactly. I completely identify with that. And I think almost everyone, if not everybody in our audience will as well. I get every single one of my clients that have come to me have said they've gone through a point where they're like, why is all of this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And I can't seem to find a way out. Or I had this really huge trauma that caused a lot of effects afterwards. Why? And they all come to the conclusion of, oh, there is a reason. There is a lesson here for me to learn. I know what it was like to feel that. And now I never want to feel that again. Or I know what it's like to build myself back up after that. And I can teach other people to do that. That's sim very similar to my story as well. And I think it's such a good solace in knowing that, yeah, like coming back full circle, that our challenges 
enrich our lives. So now I'd like to talk about what it looks like to support your lymphatic system. What are some mm. of the techniques that you found? What are some of the pillars that you use when you work with your body to help you eliminate waste easier? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I'll, I'll explain what the lymphatic system actually is for people in a moment. But <clears throat> there's another phrase that I came across um, that hit me. It said, you can't change something until you become aware of it. Mm -hmm. And you is in all caps. What does that mean? I mean, things are always going to change. That's what, that's what life is, but you don't notice it. <laughs> right. And, and if you want to have any chance of changing something yourself, how in the hell are you going to change it? If you don't notice it first, yeah. right? That's what, to me, that's what pain means. Your body subconsciously knows you need to change something with maybe your left foot and how it works and maybe not wear foot coffins as much. We call those shoes and go barefoot on the earth a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then the way that it makes you aware that you should be paying attention to your foot is it freaking hurts your knee. You know, it's like, you got to pay attention to something and explore. So if you treat the knee and the knee doesn't get better, then your, your body says, well, that was a good guess, but that's not it. <laughs> you know? And then you think logically, well, let me look up and let me look down, which is the key to knee pain, by the way. I'll give you a little extra. You always want to check your ankle and your hip when your knee hurts because it's very rarely the knee mm. <clears throat> unless you fall on it. But um, yeah, so awareness of the system itself, just like right now, because people are saying limp what? Like I never yeah. even thought about this. Just that I changed your life because now you're going to pull that thread and you're going to look at it and you're going to see where it takes you. Right. But then I wanted to run with the awareness to my my thing now is to make more people aware of the lymphatic system and why it's so one is reason it's so important is because nobody does anything to it on purpose with intention. Mm. And I'll expand on that in a moment. The lymphatic system is part of two big systems in your body. It's the primary part of your immune system. And your immune system is designed to keep you alive. And inflammation is an immune system response. Right? So inflammation is swelling, inflammation, edema, that sort of thing. Right? And so your, your immune system kicks in to protect you and it's designed to kill what? Viruses, which we hear about now a lot now, bacteria, toxins of all types, toxins that come from outside, toxins that come from inside, from your own body, making toxins through waste that can't get out. You follow? Mm. Uh, parasites, fungus. Basically, it's like whatever you're not supposed to have in your body for a long period of time, the immune system is supposed to get rid of it. And even cancer cells, your lymphatic system kills cancer cells every day. Right. Because cancer doesn't just jump on you out of nowhere. You've always got cancer inside of you. It just doesn't manifest because your immune system is strong enough to kill it and suppress it until yeah. it's no longer not. You understand? Mm -hmm. So and uh, it's also part of your cardiovascular system. Which is your heart, your blood, your, your red blood, which is your arterial blood. And what they call in uh, Eastern medicine, your blue blood, because it has no oxygen. So it looks darker. 
And that's where most of your blood resides in your venous system, the veins of your body. And it's very easy for that blood to stagnate from lack of movement. And here's the cool thing. The lymphatic system dumps into the vein system. So the circulatory system and the immune system work as one. And if you have an, if you have a lymphatic system issue, you'll have a cardiovascular issue. If you have a cardiovascular issue, you'll have a lymph issue both Mm -hmm. together. Right. And so lymph is always working. Right. And, but sometimes it gets overloaded, right? It, it's just too, too many things are coming at it at once. It gets overburdened. It becomes obstructed or stagnated. And, and people say, why? I'm like, that's an easy answer. It's this thing called life kicking your butt all day long mm-hmm. from an overload of toxins or excess tension and tightness in the body. Because when you have excess tension and tightness in the body, fluids don't move well. And you're mostly fluid, mostly water, and the other is lymphatics and blood. So most of your organs have lymphatics, every single one of them, right? And so tightness and tension happens when you have a lot of stress because stress increases tension and tightness. Now, two things move the lymphatics primarily. One is movement. The, the more you move of yourself, more often, more ways, more environments, you, you move fluids. So that's why when you take walks or you jump up and down or you move and you're not sedentary, you can feel so much better because energy flows, right? Chi flows, blood flows, lymph flows. But a lot of people don't move much anymore. They're very sedentary. Or if they do move, they do the same kind of movements all the time because it's what they enjoy doing. And they only do that because they enjoy doing it, but that can be dangerous for you as well, because the human body needs variation, variability, and variety. They call that just novelty difference. And when you do the same thing over and over, your body develops lines of tension or stress or contours to it. That's what a callus on a hand is. So it lays down tissue along lines of stress. So if you do the same kind of movement all the time, you actually reroute and change how fluids move in the body. So you can cause stagnant fluids because of movement repetition. And that's why you get repetitive stress injuries for people. And I say, just do something different than what you're doing now. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why jumping up and down and walking backwards works great because most people don't walk backwards and nobody really jumps up and down on purpose. And so that's, that's a pump mechanism. Hmm. So that's number one. And number two is breathing, but not just any breathing, breathing through the diaphragm muscle, which many people following your show might know about breathing through the diaphragm. It's a muscle that sits at the rib cage near the bottom. And when you breathe in through the diaphragm, it increases pressure. They call that intra-abdominal pressure in the abdomen. And pressure moves fluids, my friends. Pressure moves fluids. What fluids? Yes is the answer. (laughs) So when you breathe in, your pressure expands in the abdomen. 
And I'm going to give you one guess to where most of your lymphatics reside and what part of your body, the abdomen, right? So when you expand in the abdomen, you increase pressure at the largest collection of lymph in the body, which is the abdomen. And then that pumps the lymph fluid and it removes blockages that happen there, right? And then you have this pressure mechanism from breathing that circulates fluid. Now, most people, they don't really breathe well at all. If sometimes they hold their breath a lot when they're under tension or stress and you have to remind them you can breathe now mm-hmm. or when they get into something new or challenging or fearful like movement or novel movement, I always have to cue them breathe because they'll stop breathing and they don't even know they stop breathing. They don't notice it. It's been subconscious or they'll over breathe like an anxiety panic breathe. And then they'll breathe too much through the shoulders and the neck and the lungs and not enough in the abdomen. So those are mouth breathers that breathe a lot through the mouth. And yeah, they usually end up breathing like 20, 25 times a minute. And you're supposed to be more like 10 to 12. You know, actually even six would be great. But uh, so that changes how pressure moves. And then when you, when you change the pressure mechanism in the body, you cause blocks or what they call backflow. So fluid's trying to move, but you keep pushing it forward and then you suck it backwards. It backflows the other way and then it can't move. So two things happen here. People have excess tension in their body because of stress and they have increased tension because of poor posture or the same movement all the time or lack of activity. And then you combine that with poor breathing. You've basically shut down the ability for your body to move fluids. Now, here's where it all comes home. How in the world do you think you get all those nutrients that you put in your mouth to the cells? How does it get there? Through fluid. It's called blood, right? So you lose the ability to have nutrient delivery to cells because of tightness, tension, and stress, and lack of movement. And then once they use it, then they have the waste. And then now you've shut down the waste removal system of the body. So both ends are in big trouble, right? And and here's the thing, is that if you've got cells that are sitting in a fluid environment, that's called your interstitial fluid. It's like a, a fish tank full of fish. You got water around there and you got the fish inside the tank and those fish have to breathe, right? Well, that's like your cells. And this is the analogy that I do for lymphatics. That's why my lymph is called body aquarium because you're like a walking aquarium. You're mostly water and you got trillions of cells inside of you that are trillions of fish of all different types. So you need to feed the fish, but all those fish poop and pee. And where do they poop and pee in the tank? So how does your tank stay clean when you have a fish tank? Well, you should hopefully have a little filter system in there. And in the top corner, you have these little bubbles, right? Why? That's movement of fluid. And then underneath the fish tank where you don't see it, you've got all these pipes and filters from one to another, one to another. And then that's your lymphatic system. 
That's the clearance system of the body. Mm -hmm. If the water doesn't move up top, and if the filter system is stuck up underneath, what usually happens to the big, beautiful, crystal clear fish tank where all those fish live in just a couple of days? It starts to become toxic. It gets bacteria, fungus, it gets stagnant. It turns green, algae grows, pa uh, parasites grow. You start to see the fish get things grow on their skin. And if you go up and you look in the fish tank and you ever see a fish like really struggling to breathe, the mouth is going like this because when the water gets stagnant and it's full of toxins, oxygen decreases. So when you have a toxic tank like that, you, you don't want to keep putting food in the tank because you're going to make it more toxic. And then even if you did it, this, it can't get to the cells because there's so much crap in the tank. And that's what was my problem is that supply side only works if it can get to the cell. Because if it can't get to the cell, I don't care what you put in your mouth. I do, but I don't because good is better than bad. But I thought to myself, it's just a matter of looking at the filters, unclogging the filters getting it to function again. And I can hopefully bring back the fish and help the fish survive. And there was a phrase that I read by studying osteopathic medicine. It was three words. It was like a fortune cookie moment for me. <laughs> and I said, there's no way this, this can't be this simple. <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, why the hell not? It is, that's, that's, basics and fundamentals are simple. But basics and fundamentals, if you don't own those, you can't build anything else on top of that, right? Like I tell people, you, there's no way you're going to read Shakespeare unless you learn your alphabet first and then do Sesame Street. Yeah. You know, because you can, here's the thing, you can read Shakespeare, but you're going to turn to me and say, okay, what the hell did I just read? Yeah. Which means that it's not going to do you any good, even though you did it. You understand? And that's the same thing with, with the human body. And I know I'm carrying on because I want to build this up for the three words, but it's this drainage precedes supply drainage precedes supply. What do they mean by that? The supply side is the nutrient side, but that's not going to work as well or for as long if you don't drain the obstructions first. Now, I know it might seem like semantics switching those around, but I got news for you. Physiology doesn't work like that. It's not semantics. Because what you did, this is going to be a brain twister. What you did before what you just did changes what you get. Mm -hmm. That's how things interact with each other. What I mean by that is this. If what you did before what you just did changes what you get. So let's talk, let's think A, B, C. So if you did A, that's what you just did. No, that's what you did. Then you're going to do B and then you get C. So once you do A, your, your body has to react to what A was 
first, right? And then it influences B because B has to respond to what A did. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then you get your C. Right. But if you switch those around and do B before A, you're not going to get the same C, even though they're the same ingredients, you might say, right? So I give this kind of an example. Let's say that I poked your forehead as A, and then your body says, okay, well, he just poked me. What am I going to do with that? And then I come in with B, and now I slap you in the head, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's the outcome of C. Now let's switch it around. What happens if I slap you in the head first with B? And then your body says, oh my, what? What'd you just do? Right. And then I come in and I poke you. You're not going to get the same C because the responses change on mm-hmm. physiology. You, you understand what I'm saying there? Yeah. And that's big because the order in which you do things with therapies and physiology makes a difference on if they work or how well they work or if they work at all. And I started to think about other things where you have to follow what they call therapy protocols, or it's like a recipe, you might say. Everybody says, can you give me the protocol recipe for a painful knee? No, because I don't know anything about your knee. Yeah. Because your knee is different than my knee because there's a different human being carrying around the knee. And I thought about people making food recipes like a, like a cake. So one of the reasons that therapies fail is because a lot of people try to do too many things at once. It's, it's overload to a system. It's like, let me just throw the kitchen sink at you and let me see if it gets better because they're all supposed to be good for you. I'm like, well, that's great, but maybe it's just too much for my system and I can't handle it. Plus, if you did 10 things, how the hell you know which one was the, the one thing? Maybe I only needed one thing. And I thought about making recipes. Very rarely will you find a recipe card that you follow. Have you ever seen anything that really says, okay, I want you to take all 15 ingredients and throw them at one time in a bowl and mix them up? No. You usually don't because whatever it is on the back end is probably going to taste really bad <laughs> or, or, or the cake's not going to rise. It goes flat. W- what do they tell you to do? I want you to take these three ingredients and I want you to mix them in a little bowl over here. And then I want to take these and mix them in a bowl over here. And then now I want you to take those, those two bowls and mix them together. And if you think to yourself, you're like, why the hell would I do that? It's all the same thing. No, it's not. It's not the same thing at all because you just changed your ABCs up. And that's the same thing. What I'm, but I'm telling you that long story because here's the kicker. That's because when you do lymphatic work, you can't just arbitrarily massage your body and just rub things and try to clear obstructions because tissue is tight. You have to do it in a specific order in order for it to work. Mm. And because if you do it just arbitrarily and I just rub areas where lymph is, you're going to move lymph, but you're not going to move it efficiently. And you can actually make yourself worse because you're pushing fluids into bigger blockage points or choke points. And that's the biggest thing that I've learned, Emily, in my 25 years of therapy from looking at this stuff is it's 
the ingredients are great, but it's even not so much the ingredients. It's how you mix them together that makes the difference on what it comes like. It's like you can have two different chefs with the same thing and then it tastes different. Why? That's where the art comes in. That's where understanding how stuff mixes together. And in, in my world, because I start to get emotional on this one because I've been there where people just get so frustrated of why stuff is supposed to work and it's not working for them. Exactly. And, and I'm like, well, first of all, maybe you're just not ready for that at the moment and it, it can be good for you, but maybe it's not the right time. You. Or like I said, sometimes people are doing way too many things. The longer you've been sick and the longer you've had issues, the easier and lighter and slower you got to go. If I come at you full steam ahead, what I'm going to contend is you'll probably never get well because your body will just shut down again to protect itself because it's overloaded. And so when I would put people down on the table as a chiropractor, you know, I'd have you get on the table. If anybody's ever been to one, you lie face down. And I start, you know, checking your spine and looking at your body on the back and checking your posture. But then after I started the study about fluids and, you know, yin and yang, right? That's relationships. That's front and back, yin and front, yang and back. Is that everything has an opposite to it. It has to flow together. Left has a right, front has a back, up has a down. Yes has a no, right has a wrong. You follow? Harmony. And I said, you know what? Most of your blood flow and most of your lymph flow and most of the tissue tightness that people have is not on the back of the body. It's on the front, on the front. And I said, you know what? Let me, let me just play around with my ABC theory. Okay. And I, I'm going to start to assess the front first. Then I'm going to turn you over and look at the back. Emily, I got to tell you, transformative, that, that change. Hmm. And I want to explain why. Is that most of the tissue tightness on the human body resides in the front of the body because that's what you'll do to protect yourself when you're under stress emotionally and physically you, you curl into a ball yeah you want to close yourself off from the world and you protect the vulnerable real estate of your body which is your face your throat your heart your abdomen and your groin so those are very vulnerable and you'll curl and when you curl forward you create a lot of tension and you close yourself off not only emotionally, but blood flow wise and tension wise. And what did I say about tension before? Excess tension decreases blood flow and fluid flow. And when you decrease blood flow, you decrease oxygen delivery, causing hypoxia and your cells die. And you wonder why you're not getting better. And so it's, it's also in, in that particular region where you have major, major, what they call fascial restriction points or tightness points. And you get a most in the abdomen. And it's in my work, it's also where I discovered you hold all of your trauma and shock in the abdomen. And it bleeds out everywhere else. Mm. And, but here's the thing. When people were coming in to see me complaining of pain, very rarely did they say, I got to see you today because my face hurts. 
because my throat hurts, because my sternum hurts, because my abdomen hurts, because my navel hurts, because my groin hurts. They come in complaining of everything else on the opposite side of it. The back of my head hurts. The back of my neck hurts. The middle of my back hurts. My low back hurts. My pelvis hurts. My hips hurt. My hands hurt. My elbow. You got it? Mm -hmm. It's everything else but the front. And I thought to myself, why in the hell is that? So I started to think like your body thinks and the brain thinks. The brain has one goal for you, and it's not happiness. It's don't die. That's it. And as long as you're not dead, it's a thumbs up day. And your body will sacrifice anything and everything to make that happen, whether it makes sense to you or not. So I said this. Maybe the problem is actually in the front. But your body won't let you feel it there. And so it's sacrificing everything else to protect the front because it knows one thing. And I got news for you after I tell you, I tell you this, you, you, you'll think the same way. If you think the back of your head hurts, wait till I scratch your eye. That's the pain you don't want. Mm. You think the back of your neck hurts. If I punch you in the throat, can't eat. You'll suffocate or you get choked. Right. If you start to have pain in your sternum, that's like heart attack type pain. That's trauma to that. You're going to the mid back is going to say. I'll do it. And if you think low back pain is awful, if you have uh, pain in your abdomen, you'll curl over and you can't move and you're going to be crying. It will immobilize you and be a searing, god awful pain. And your body has to make a choice. It's like I said before, you're going to suffer either way. You follow? Mm -hmm. So the brain says, listen, the problem is actually in the front. But I'm going to make the back hurt because you can live with that one. The front, not so much. That's where I come along. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to lie you down on my table. I'm going to put you on the back. And you're going to say, Doc, why are you checking the front? My back hurts. I'm like, congratulations. Now you learn it. Now you learn it. That's what stop chasing pain means. And when I put my hands around uh, and I feel around the throat, or I feel around the sternum, or I feel around the abdomen. Almost nine out of 10 people, by the time they make it to me, they're absolutely blown away about how painful it is when I touch it. And here's what you need to know. It's not supposed to hurt when I touch it. Mm. But they didn't consciously, they weren't consciously aware of the pain there, which means the body did its job. You're consciously aware of the one in the back. Yeah. Right? But... Remember what I said before? You can't change. You can't change something until you become aware of it. Trust me, when I stick my fingers in your stomach, you just became aware of it. Yeah. Now we go on the healing journey. And I tell people now we work both sides. But here's the key. And my work. Never, ever work the back until you clear the front first. Because I need to release the tension. But I also need to open up where the choke points of fluid flow reside and the choke points, you can have choke points on the back, but the big choke points are in the front. Why? Because that's where all the big pipes sit, the blood flow in the blood flow out, the lymph flow in and out. 
if those are choked, the ones on the back don't stand a chance in hell because they're not the source. They're the end point. You follow? Mm -hmm. So when I started to conceptualize it like that, it's just shuffling things around made all the difference in the world for people. It did for me. And I started to test this theory out on people that came in to see me and the same thing started to happen. Now, I know I went on for a long time there, but I'm trying to, to teach you guys stuff that took me 25 years to formulate. And that's a big one. That's a really, really super big one. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you take us through, this is one of the things that I really, really love about you, Dr. Perry, you deliver very complicated information to us in a clear, concise way that involves storytelling that we can follow, which is so helpful because exactly like you said, when most of us hear the lymphatic system, we think, I don't even know how to start wrapping my head around that. We never hear about that. And I think you mentioned that it's really one of the last systems in the body that the general person hears about. Before I was a health coach and owned this company, I was a medical illustrator. I still mm. don't really know much about the lymphatic system, right? I worked with <laughs> it. I, right. I illustrated images for surgical textbooks and I still am like, oh, lymphatic system. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I need someone to explain that to me. And you, you're allowing us to wrap our minds around it in a very relatable way. And um, something that I really like to pinpoint is the frustration that we get when diet doesn't work. Even I have had this situation and many of my clients have as well. We will cut ourselves down to eating one or two things that gives Mm -hmm. us the least amount of negative effect. And that still doesn't work. And how frustrating is that for the person to think, okay, I cut out everything, not just the inorganic stuff, but even other huge food groups, because I thought that was the problem. And in my view, in this society, we get bred to be very good consumers. So when we hear things like, okay, it's not necessarily the diet that is ruining everything. There are other things to focus on. And when we hear that breathing can make such a big impact in your health, I know, I think in some part of my mind, I think, oh, well, breathing that's free. You don't have to pay for that. That's not a painful check that you have to write to be able to fix your breathing habits. So it can't be that because we think the solution has to be really complex and, oh, well, you have to buy these supplements and then buy these supplements and then go on this diet plan. And when we're, we're so conditioned to believe that that is the way then that when we hear information that, oh, you can just start with breathing. It's free and it's simple. It might not be simple to carry out and stay consistent with, but it's a simple concept. When we hear that, I know I'm like, "Mm, I don't know, is it breathing? You know, I started out listening to health podcasts, biohacking podcast a couple of years ago. I heard that a couple of times at least. And I thought, I don't know if it's breathing. It has to be this. I have to get this product instead. And we really can start. And you're saying we really need to start with the basic fundamentals, right? Yeah. You made so many great points there for sure. And let's talk about the supplements. Mm. Well, supplements are supply side, right? They're going into the same damn fish tank. So I don't care what you put in there supplement wise. Yeah. 
I mean, some are better than others because a lot of them are junk. But, mm. but I also have people go and get they're sick and they go to a specialist and they leave with a bag full of 25 supplements that cost them five grand. Yeah. Okay. So now I want you to step back and think for a moment now that you understand what I just told you. What if you're putting 25 supplements in a system that can't absorb what you're sticking in there? Because mm -hmm. you're, you're too toxic. You have to work on the waste management side first. Now, sometimes that might involve trying to take a supplement or two to help your liver that might be overloaded, for instance, right? But if you've got a stagnant blocked liver, you're going to have a blocked lymph node in your abdomen because that's where the liver drains to. And if you don't clear that out, I don't care what you do. You're not going to be able to purge that tank. And then the analogy that I give to people is, 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 is let's go back to the fish tank. And thank you for the compliment on that with stories. What I, what I learned a long time ago is that if you're trying to give people to understand something, you have to tie it to something that they're already familiar with. So mm -hmm. then they can see the relationship. Otherwise you're like, I don't, I, you just gobbledygook. I don't know what you just told me. Exactly. Is it, you know, a lot of times when within medicine, if you have a crappy fish tank, what they're going to do is they're going to say, oh, well, you just need new water. So you, you take all the water out. I take all the fish out and maybe the fish are dead, right? That's like a surgical technique. Maybe mm -hmm. I, I take it out and then I'm going to clean the inside of the tank. I'm going to take all, I'm gonna clean all the fungus out. I'm going to put the water, the stuff back in. I'm going to put all the water back in. I'm going to put brand new fish in, but I don't touch the damn filter. That's what medicine is. That's what supplements are. You know, you have to change the filter first. Otherwise, the other stuff doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's the environment. That's the mechanism that you need to, to work with that fixes it. So I tell people work with the lymphatics first. Lymph work in my world always comes first. I have to ensure that the system can work the best it can under the circumstances that it's in. Then you can add the supplements to it, but only start a little bit at a time because it's not what you put in. It's, it's what you can absorb. So when you, when you take something in your mouth, okay, it needs to go in the mouth. Then it's got to go down into the stomach and you have to digest it. All right. Mm -hmm. That's digestion. Now, most people, don't have enough stomach acid because they have too much stress in their life. High stress decreases stomach acid. So, which means you don't break down your food. So food stays in your gut longer and it putrefies and rots and creates more waste that sits there. And that travels up to your brain and you get brain fog because you can't even break down the supplements you're sticking in your stomach. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you don't even own the stomach is the basic checklist for me. If you don't have enough stomach acid, nothing in the world I freaking do to you is going to help you because you can't break things down that you stick in your mouth. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's digestion. Then you need to have absorption. So we mentioned this before your cells have to be able to absorb it. Well, they can't absorb it if it can't get there. You follow? Cause you have poor circulation and then you have too much uh, gunk in your fish tank. And then if it even gets there, then you got to metabolize it. And in order to metabolize it, you got to have all your minerals. If you're missing a mineral, you can't metabolize it the way you want to. And then you wonder why you stay sick because it's that whole mechanism that has to, to go. So chronic disease only occurs when you lose the ability to make new cells that work. And that's the process that you need to go through. So in my world, 
I'm not saying limp is going to fix everything, but I can tell you this much. So if it is a problem, they don't take care of it. You're always going to struggle to get well, but it doesn't have to be complicated to do it either. Like you said, I mean, people always believe that sometimes because medicine makes it look complicated because it elevates them up and they make them look more important than they actually are. So they complicate it with big fancy words and you get intimidated and disempowered and don't think you can do it to yourself or somebody has to have a white coat in order to explain it to you. Yeah. Poppycock. No, it's wrong. Okay. So you can learn any of this stuff that anybody else learns as long as you just put different words to things, right? You don't have to use the same language. I'll explain that in a moment, but I want to talk about that simple because I say that all the time, but, you know, it doesn't have to be complicated to work, right? And the human body, I'm going to talk physics a little bit because I know we're, we got about 25 minutes or so left, but the, the human body is a complex, non-linear system. It's not a complicated system. Humans complicated. It's complex. Non-linear means this, and I'm going to compare it to linear first. So these are physics terms. Linear is kind of like input A should equal the exact same energy output at B. That's a straight line, linear. A, B, boom, right? And that's how medicine looks at things like A equals B. I give you this, you should get that. I'm like, well, welcome to fantasy land because it doesn't work <laughs> yeah. like that. The, the, the human body is non-linear. That means that a really small input in the beginning that seems inconsequential can be catastrophic on the back end, right? One of those is like a decrease in oxygen, catastrophic down here. Missing one enzyme in a reaction, you'll die within, a, within seconds. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's no joke, right? So small input equals huge change on the back end, mm. but it also goes the other way. A huge input doesn't mean you're going to get a huge output. A huge input is 25 freaking supplements, and then you get nothing on the back end. That's oh. nonlinear, right? Yeah. So you have to find the nonlinear means this small equals really, really big. That's what that means. Mm. So I have to look for the small things that most people overlook as inconsequential or not important, like body parts on you in the front of you that hurt that you don't know about or stomach acid. Like that's a nonlinear thing, a small thing that will cause everything else down the line not to work right. That's really important. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's the system that we're dealing with. And that's why when I say to people, if you just uh, do a little bit of breathing or you drink that extra glass of water or you put some minerals into your water or you start taking a little bit of essential fatty acids or something or uh, just go stand on the earth for a little bit each day of why that can make such a huge difference on the back end, because that's a nonlinear response. And anytime you tap into the energy systems of the body like that, you can make huge, huge changes, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how I need for people to look that it's just a matter of trying to find that small little catalyst sweet spot that you need to do. 
but you don't want to do too many of it at, at one time. Now that you know the power of the recipe analogy. Okay? So it's like people go into the gym after Christmas. Everybody goes to the gym and then when they get there, what do they do? They go every single day. They train for two hours at a clip. They make, they, they hate it. Then they stop eating all the quote unquote bad food at one time, or they stop eating all together. And so they do too many things. They overload the system and the system says no. Right. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons that people can struggle to, uh, lose weight a lot of times or inflammation is because the, um, anytime you train or you exercise or you work out, you break down cells, you, you purposely damage tissue on purpose because you're supposed to, because you're supposed to make new tissue that's stronger and more resilient and you grow bigger muscles, but you're, you're unleashing waste already into a wasteland that can't handle the waste you've already got. So exercise makes you feel worse mm. or, or you start to gain weight because what happens is when you can't get rid of toxins and they're staying in your system, your body has to find a way to deal with them. And the way that it deals with them is fat absorbs and surrounds toxins to protect you. So you'll gain body fat as a self-protection mechanism. You'll get puffy. You'll get swollen when you drink water because your body doesn't take the water into the cells. It has to dilute the water that the cells are living in so they don't die. So you become puffy and you become bloated, you become swollen and you become fat as a survival mechanism. And you can do everything you want to lose weight, but you won't because your brain says, I can't, because if you do, you're going to die. Yeah. Right. And those are the people that force it and they starve and they lose the weight, but they rebound later and they gain more. Right. Because now the body doubles down on it and says, okay, now I'm going to make it even more fat right. to protect you. Right. And it doesn't have to be visible fat from the outside. People say, well, I, I'm not, I don't have any inflammation. Look, at, I got a six pack. I don't care. Like outside physical appearance doesn't equate to internal health at all. There's zero correlation between how good you look in a mirror and how much you're falling apart on the inside. Because I have so many people that uh, train and work out all the time and they don't stop. They're always going. And I press on the body and they jump off the table because they got deep inflammation. They've got what they call visceral fat that's stuck around the abdomen, the brown fat. And that's more life-threatening than the superficial fat that goes to. So, so and I only know, how do I know that? How would I know that? I'm going to put you on my table. I'm going to stick my fingers in your gut. And I'm going to see if you want to punch me in the face. That's how I know. Because I have a lot of people, Emily, that, how many people that you know of, and maybe be listening to us here, they go get all these tests done and even blood tests and nothing shows up. Oh, hell yeah. Plenty. And yeah. And meanwhile, they can't get out of bed. They can't put two sentences together. They're in pain. And then people say, I don't know. Maybe it's just psychological. Well, it always is. So at least they got that right. So that doesn't mean it's all in the head because even psychological pain is real, but what they've lost in the art of medicine today. And it's, I'll be honest with you, people in the healthcare field are doing the best they can with what they've got in a system that's freaking broken. And, and I got doctors that can't spend more than five minutes with you. Yeah. 
because they, they don't have it. Or you have to justify why you're doing something based on a pain scale. And sometimes you'll only get an approved therapy if your pain scale is high enough. Tell me that is not a messed up system. So you'll hold on to your pain so you can keep getting the therapy that you think you need. So you keep your pain in your mind at a subjective nine or a 10. You follow? But they don't put their hands on anybody anymore. Like if, if I put you down on my table, you get what's called an awareness exam. That's the name I give it. That means I'm going to touch like 99% of your body, the places that I can touch, right? And um, I'm going to watch your reaction to it. Because you probably never had anybody touch on those areas. One, because you didn't complain about it. And two, you had no awareness of those parts of your body at all because they haven't hurt in the past. By the time I'm done, most people will say, holy crap. I, I had so many areas of my body that hurt more than the area that I'm complaining about. Mm -hmm. That's big because first of all, you're not supposed to, but the more areas that hurt, the more inflammation I know that you have, the more I need to go back to the fundamentals and the basics. But also in my world, what I know is maybe one of those other places that hurt you just as much as the area of you're complaining about, if I treat those, the area that you're complaining about gets better. And that's when I go back to what I initially said before is that there's a key phrase on my Instagram channel and people have to kind of wrap their head around this one when they read it after I explain it to them is that we go after the pain that you don't know about to help the pain that won't leave you alone. So let me, I already explained what that means, mm -hmm. but I'm going to say it one more time. All right. And I'll go over the explanation one more time. We go after the pain that you don't know about to help the pain that won't leave you alone. Mm -hmm. So when you come in to see me, you're going to point to a body part, right? That's the pain that won't leave you alone. Cause that's why you're coming into my office. So you already know that freaking hurts, right? That's easy. I'm going to do something to there more so because you expect me to. So I'm doing it more for your mental anxiety than the actual therapy itself. Because mm -hmm. I want to validate your pain by treating it. Right. But what I'm going to do in my world is I'm after my awareness exam, I'm going to note the top two places that hurt you the most outside of your site of pain. Mm. And that's where I'm going to go as well. Because that's the pain that you didn't know about. Yeah. until you did. But here's the kicker. All right. When you look at the mind, you have a subconscious mind and a conscious mind. They know from neurology, at least at this standpoint, from neuroscience or what we think it is, is that 90% of your behavior and what you do in your life is subconscious. That's happening without your awareness, mm -hmm. particularly your habits and your behaviors. And my limp is trying to flow on its own. My heart is flowing on its own, all those sorts of things, right? So if you had to pay attention to everything that's going on in your life right now, your head would explode in about five seconds. Yeah. You just can't do it. You'd be immobilized. And then 10% is under conscious awareness or volitional control, right? So I want you to think about that number. If 90% of your life is driven by the subconscious, that means that it's there. You don't know it's there. You understand? Mm. And only 10% is by the conscious. Why in the hell am I going to focus on the 10%? Yeah. Or maybe I'm going to expand your 10%. That's what awareness and mindfulness is, right? Mm. That's why people are trying to meditate away from the side of pain to expand the 10%. But 
the air, let's say arbitrarily that I was checking your abdomen and you're lying on your back and you think life is great. And then I touch the spot that's two inches above your navel, which is where the largest lymph node of the body sits. And you feel pain like you never knew existed. Let me ask you a question. Has that always been there? Yes, it's always been there. You just didn't consciously know it. It was subconscious. So I want you to really think about this for a moment. In the background, subconsciously, your body has had to move around that pain in your abdomen all day long, all the time and deal with it so you don't have to. So how in the hell are you going to be able to change how you move or do anything until you become aware of it? Mm. So when I stick my finger there, boom, now I just took you to 11%. Now you're consciously aware of it and then you can begin to work around it. Plus I can uh, help it feel a little bit better. So subconsciously your brain starts to move. Does that make sense? So in my world, it's the subconscious pain that's driving all of your behavior, not the one that you're aware of. That's a small amount. That's yeah. only one piece of the puzzle. And I want you to think about it. More people are in pain now today than ever before. Whatever we're doing, it's not working. I got more tests. I got more images. I got more information. I got more supplements. I got more pills. I got more surgeries. I got more special magical techniques for pain. And yet people are worse. You have to flip your lens. Yeah. So that's, that's my lens. That's my lens. Right. So when you come in to see me, I just look everywhere else that somebody else is not like my job is actually very easy. Cause I'm not the first person you see. I'm the last one. So by the time you see me, I know a lot of stuff has been done and ruled out to make sure that, okay, your back doesn't hurt because you have cancer. Nobody knew it was there. So I checked yeah. those boxes. And I have to do the proverbial checks that everyone else has done. But I also learned a lesson just because you see me after you've sent seen 10 people, I can't assume that those 10 people check the basics on you Yeah, because they probably didn't Yeah, because not everybody knows the basics or they discount the basics. Right. And the basics are simple things like, hey, how much water are you drinking? Uh, I don't know. Well, that means not enough. Right. Has anybody ever asked you that before? No. Right. Or how you sleeping at night? No, they don't ask about sleep. Or did anybody do an exam on you for checking, checking the body? Anybody looked at the front of your body? No. All I, all I do is I sometimes think that people pay me to be captain obvious, which means I just look at stuff that should be there. I call it a checklist manifesto, where if you want to air, every time a plane takes off and lands, it has to go through the same checklist just to make sure that everything is good before you freaking fly. And if mm -hmm. something's not, then you either can't fly, right? Or you, you stand a higher risk. So when you come in to see me, I just check off boxes to make sure these are good. Now, your lymphatic system doesn't might not be the culprit. It might not be the biggest. It's going to be a factor always. How much? I don't know until how until I stick my fingers in there and I find out. But I'm going to check that lymph box either way, because if I check the box because it works great, I can put it aside and know that's not the big driver. 
But if I didn't check it, there's no way I can, can keep going with my recipe, with my recipe. Yeah. So back to the analogy that I said before is that I always talk about recipes for making a cake. You can't make a cake without cake mix. Mm-hmm. Right? To me, the lymphatic system is cake mix. Yeah. That's what I look at first. Right? Yeah. So what I do now is that people tell me, what do you teach? I don't really teach techniques anymore because I, I teach concepts. Concepts are how you look at something. Yeah. It's your lens because your techniques will be based on your concept. Right. And the tools are only going to work as well as your technique and your technique only works as well as your concept. You follow? Mm -hmm. So I try to teach people how to look at the bigger picture. And I teach them more about how to think and look at relationships because let's just say, oh, if I want to you know, work my soft tissue over here with something, I said, listen, I don't care what you work it with. I just need you to know you should be working there, but more so understanding why you're working there. The tools honestly can end up becoming irrelevant because the, the right tool in the wrong order or on the wrong place ain't gonna work right that makes sense and this is why it's frustrating for people when they go to practitioners because so many people just focus on one thing that's my specialty or it it takes a lot of sitting down talking history getting to know that the person that you're with because they'll give me the answer through that and my touch will, will solidify it when I go through there. But you, you, you use a lot of brain cells when you got to try to figure this stuff out. It takes a lot of thinking, right? And looking at relationships and realizing, I love it when I try something and it doesn't work because I, talk, I call it the path of not here, mm. which means people get really frustrated when something doesn't work and i reframe it i said you know what that's really freaking awesome you know why because now i know it's not here right now we go down this one you just check the boxes yeah mm-hmm. yeah i love it i love it you're it's exactly like you say you're giving me a completely different perspective on how i live my life and what's going on in the background. And recently, very interesting how these things work. Everything ties in together, Dr. Perry. It's insane how just divine timing works. Recently, I've become so aware of how my my subconscious self-worth has dictated my habits in life, such as procrastination. And I think, oh, I need to do this, or I need to have someone force me to be more organized and pile all of this on top and hope that everything works that way. No, there's a deeper reason. There's a deeper connection here. And what you described on a physical level and also just behavioral level is so similar to that. What's happening in the background? You don't need to pile a bunch of stuff on top. In fact, you shouldn't. What's happening in the background here? There's a, there's a derivative there, which is so important. And I want to ask, as we close our episode down, so we have listeners from all over the world, Ukraine, Austria, 
I'm wondering if you have any offerings for those of us who want to learn more about your techniques and work with you in some form or work with the information that you have found and that you're putting out there, but don't live near you and perhaps can't see you physically. Yes. Well, yes. Thank you very much. I certainly do. Um, you can go to my website. It's kind of the central hub for everything. It's stopchasingpain.com. And that'll put you onto all of our social media platforms. I spend most of my time on Instagram. It's probably an unhealthy relationship at this point, but uh, I really love sharing on that platform. I think it's a good energy and a good community and you can share stories and pictures there, which is a great way for people to actually learn. And um, you, you can hit the link on the Instagram channel. It'll take you to our website and People always ask me, I'm not a healthcare professional. Can I take your courses and join your membership? I'm like, yeah. I mean, it's it's designed for people at all different levels to attend because I, I take these subjects that seem complicated and I'll break them down really simply because I think every human should know about the lymphatic system and all of that. So um, we have a membership site. We have many courses that are single day and one day that are virtual the webcasts you can tune in live or get the recording afterwards and then we have a self-help lymphatic video called lymphatic mojo body aquarium that you can stream for life via vimeo and i'll just kind of give you the basics and fundamentals and a easy self-reset thing you can do every day and you can go deeper down the rabbit hole if you want to take the two-day intensive it's like 14 hours long i mean you'll know more about lymphatics than like 1% of the people on this earth. <laughs> and I just share all the techniques that I use for myself to help myself get better for um, other people. You can get that as well. And I'd like to say that we've had our own podcast channel for over 10 years. So I started doing podcasts early on and it's the same name, stopchasingpain.com. And I learned from a lot of brilliant people and try to take what they teach and carry it over to others. And I like to highlight their work on the um, podcast as well. And if people do reach out to me on Instagram and you send me a message, I will let you know that it's actually me who replies. I'm the only one who does my social media platform because wow. I enjoy doing it so much. I don't want to have anybody else interacting with the people that follow my work. So, you know, just let you know that if you send it out and I reply, it will be me. <laughs> yeah, you're active on there too. That's so beautiful to find out because I didn't know that either, but I see how active you are and very comprehensive information, folks, and also lots of amazing testimonials that you have. And it's you behind all of that work, which is so cool. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, well, you know what? I, it's just, I love to do it. It's sharing information brings me a lot of joy to do that. And uh, yeah. I, I think that it's just part of what my life is meant to be is to share the information on that platform. And, I, you know, I've been doing this long enough interacting with people online is that I think people can really sense if it's you doing oh. it or not. There's a, there's an energy yeah. to how people say things or the, the words that they choose to use. And uh, your intent can come across the words that you are using and how you put them in a sentence. I absolutely believe that that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned over the pandemic is really starting to pay more attention to the biological and physiological power of the words that we use and say out loud, but even more so the ones in silence. And uh, 
language as being a huge driver in your ability to heal or not heal in relationship to yourself or the clients that you're working with. And that took a lot of awareness for me. So getting awareness of the body is certainly challenging and it can be for a lot of people. But the biggest challenge for me was really slowing down and noticing the words that I was choosing to use or not use. And not only that, but the the tone of the words and the speed of my words. And that was hard, but it made a huge difference for my own stress level and the people that I was working with. And when you kind of get into that and you watch how a person's face or complete physiology changes with a simple word or a phrase, it's absolutely one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. Really. So I'm going down a deep rabbit hole on that with some future posts. (laughs) Oh yeah. Amazing. Oh yeah. And you have so many amazing quotes on Instagram. I love, Oh gosh. I, I can't even get started on this topic because I'm fascinated with it. I think my first, so my first episode on this podcast, and it was a solo episode was titled empowering language, because I found out that when I stopped making fun of myself and quit that habit, how much it changed so many things about me also on a physical level as well. Yeah, that, that's so, it is so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, how words are biological events. Mm. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> I have to write that down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. I could keep talking to you for so much longer, Dr. Perry. And I, we would love to have you back on at some point if you so choose that you would love to come on because I could just, I could keep going down the rabbit hole with you on these topics. But as we close this episode down, I wanted to ask you one last question, which I ask most of our guests. What do you think the root of health is? Perhaps this, this will be an interesting answer from you because everything is so interconnected as we talked about on this episode. But if you had to choose one thing that is, that is the root of health that allows the health to blossom, what would it be? Self-love because you don't love yourself it's always going to be a struggle and it's very hard for humans to do that. You know, when you notice and you pay a dip, I've noticed when I start to give people compliments, a lot of people don't like compliments. I noticed that, but like, they'll just say, Oh no, it's nothing. It's no big deal. Exactly. It's a really big deal. You know, that, that says a lot that there's something going on in there. And then that was huge for me because I think, most of my entire life, I didn't like who I was, you know, and then that, that is in the energy yeah. of the whole body. And uh, that's the answer. Yeah. Beautiful. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely beautiful. <sighs> Amazing. So Dr. Perry Nicholson, owner of Stop Chasing Pain and the Lymph Doc. Thank you so much for being here with me today. It was a completely transformative episode for me. I know our listeners are going to love it. They already love you, requested for you to be on this podcast. And it's just such an honor to have uh, you here. And thank well, you so much. hopefully I didn't ruin it for everybody. <laughs> oh my gosh, no way. You, know, you beyond delivered. <laughs> oh my, you know, I, I will say it's really nice to hear that. But you know, sometimes I'll just 
you, I said, well, you'll flip a switch and I'm just going to go. So hopefully I didn't frighten anybody. <laughs> oh, no, I love that about you. I mean, you create you set the tone, Dr. Perry, you set the tone. And um, this is stuff we all want to hear about. So we're so grateful for it. I'm so grateful that you that you took the time to be here with us today. Thanks for asking me. I had a wonderful time. I hope you loved this episode. I have linked in the show notes all the points of contact that we mentioned in the episode. And folks, if you did love this episode, subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating and review, share this podcast with your community. Let's spread the word about mental health. Let's spread the word about natural health. Let's spread the word about self-empowerment and self-development. It is possible for all of us, and I want everybody to know that, so please help me out with this. And don't forget, you can book a quantum healing package with Ludmilla through our link in bio on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening. You can also just message us and say hi on Instagram. We love that too. I am Emily Kosick, founder and CEO of Root Awakening. Thank you so much for listening to this interview. I love you all so much. See you on the next episode.